I've been fascinated through the years by hearing of people's last words. I've read lots of Christian biographies and biographical sketches, and it's always inspiring to hear what men and women of faith will say uh, before they step into glory, before they step into eternity. It's, it's always something of substance and meaning. Well, in Galatians chapter 6, we see Paul's final words to the churches in Galatia. Now, not before he died, but as he ended this letter. But just like many people's final words, these words have some substance and some meaning and some uh, weight. Uh, as you know, uh, next Sunday will be my final Sunday uh, preaching in this pulpit as your pastor. And I've been thinking about what I want to say to you as, as my final words, not before I die, hopefully, but, at, before, but as we transition out. Uh, I, I've been thinking about what I wanted to leave you with, but as I studied Galatians and saw Paul's final words to the churches in Galatia, it was very clear that, that these words are so relevant to the point in 2018. And so I'm going to use uh, Paul's final words and make them my final words to you uh, over these next two weeks. We're going to look at half of chapter 6 this week and the next half next week. Now, some of you type A personalities were thinking, are we going to finish Galatians? I just don't know if I can go on if we don't finish the book. Uh, good news, we're going to finish next week, all right? Lord willing. So uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, which is truth with no mixture of error. Galatians 6, verse 1, Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, then, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load." Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for another opportunity to gather as a faith family to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask, Lord, that as we study your word, we ask you to, to move in our midst by the Holy Spirit, that our eyes might be opened, that we might be quick, Lord, to respond to what you teach us. So have your way in our midst. Strengthen us, Lord. Encourage us from your word today. May we leave this place changed. And Father, you are a good, good Father. What a joy to sing those truths today. 
And Lord, ultimately, we think about your goodness and your love because you sent your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth and die for sinners like me. And we are grateful for that reality. Now help us in these moments to lift up the matchless name of Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Paul wrote this letter to some churches scattered throughout the first century Roman province of Galatia. And he's writing mainly to address some theological issues that had risen up in those churches. Paul had gone to that area as a church planter with his team. He had shared the gospel. Folks got saved. He gathered them together. Churches got started. After he left them and went back to his home base, some false teachers infiltrated uh, those churches with with a false gospel. They basically said something like this, we've heard that you've placed your faith in Jesus and that you're Christ's followers and that's that's really good, but if you really want to be right with God, if you really want to know for sure that you are right with God, you need to keep the Jewish law as well. You need to be circumcised and keep all these other aspects of Judaism. And Paul's writing with some ferocity here because he wants to understand that is a false gospel. He's reminding them in Galatians that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And they're, uh, they're, the false teacher's encouragement to add on to that is uh, a distortion of the true gospel. So he's defending the gospel, articulating the gospel, and, and, and teaching them in chapter 5 how to live in light of the gospel, how to enjoy the freedom that they have in Christ and, and maximize the freedom that they have in Christ. And as he comes to chapter 6... He begins to close down the letter, and he leaves them with some, with some important things for a local church to understand. And that's why this passage is so relevant to uh, the point as we make this transition. So what I want to do is I want to give you this morning four admonitions for a local church. Four admonitions for a local church, and then spoiler alert, next Sunday there'll be four more admonitions. All right, so... There are eight in total because I didn't want you to be here all day. I cut them in half, all right? So four this Sunday, four next Sunday, four admonitions for a local church. Here's admonition number one. Care for each other. That's important, isn't it? Care for each other. And you say, wait, how are we to care for each other? Well, there's a specific issue that Paul raises there in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Why do we need to care for each other? Here's one reason why. Sometimes people in our faith family stumble and fall into sin. Right? And the reason we know that is because we've all stumbled and fallen into sin. So we know that it can happen to others, and it does happen to others. And so Paul says there in verse 1, if anyone is caught in any transgression, as a family, look out for those that have stumbled and fallen, and they're not moving forward in their race. They're not actively serving the Lord because they've been distracted or affected by sin in their life. And this text answers three questions about what it means to Uh, to help someone that stumbled into sin. The first question that this text answers is, what should we do for those who have stumbled? Someone stumbles, what should we 
do. Well, notice it says there in verse 1, you who are spiritual should restore him. So what should we do? We should restore them. That word restore is the Greek word katartizo. It, it means to make someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. It, it means to, to cause someone to be fully qualified or to make someone adequate for a task. And here's the point. When someone has fallen into sin and they're not moving forward in their Christian life, they're not uh, furnished, they're not equipped to serve the Lord. They're distracted by that sin in their life. And, and this verb, kartartizo, is a medical term. I thought this was interesting. And, and it's used in secular Greek to speak of setting a fractured bone. That's what that word means, setting a fractured bone. So if someone is broken by sin, they're not actively serving the Lord, Right? And so our job as the family of God is to come along beside them and set the bone straight to bring about healing so that they can continue to serve the Lord. Now, if you're a sports fan like I am, you've noticed in college athletics and professional athletics, the money, the resources given to medical staff on a team. And there are trainers and doctors and therapists, and their job is to come along someone that's injured, right? And they try to help them to fix the injury and to rehab them and get them strong again so they can get back in the game, go out on the field or on the court and perform. That's what a medical staff does. Well, that's a picture of this word katartizo. When someone has stumbled into sin, we're to come along beside them set the broken bone, help them get right with God so that they can get back in the game and serve the Lord. So what should we do for those who have stumbled? We are called to restore them, get them back in the game, which leads to the second question. Well, who should do this? Who should try to restore a person who has stumbled? The answer, spiritual people. Look what it says there in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So who should restore those who stumbled into sin? People who are spiritual. That's who should do it. Now, when I read this, I I hear an echo of Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Before you try to take the speck out of someone's eye, Make sure you deal with the log in your eye. Right? Don't be a hypocrite. Now, Jesus is not saying, that passage is so misused. We shouldn't judge each other, shouldn't judge, shouldn't judge. That passage is so misinterpreted. Jesus is not saying that we don't try to help people with specs. He's just saying, don't be a hypocrite. But before you go and help someone with a speck, deal with your own issues, right? Deal with the log in your eye. But he says, once you get the log out... Then you can see clearly and help them with their speck. In other words, deal with your stuff. Be spiritual. And then you can help others deal with their stuff. And so you might be thinking right now, if I saw somebody struggling, I'm not qualified to help them. I'm not spiritual. Well, get spiritual. Amen? Confess your sin. Ask the Spirit of God to fill up your life. Start walking with Jesus. And then if you're walking with Jesus, you are equipped and ready 
to help other folks. So who helps people get back in the game? Those who are spiritual. People whose life and conduct are controlled by the Spirit of God. Which leads to the third question. Well, how do you do this? How do you approach those who need to be restored? Well, two answers to that question. Number one, be gentle. Look in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness is the same word that's in the list of the fruit of the Spirit at the end of chapter 5. Gentleness is sometimes translated meekness. It means strength under control. It means that we're to come to those who have stumbled and we're to be gentle with them. We're to, we're to help them. We're to set the broken bone. We're to pick them up, dust them off, and encourage them to get back in the game. In other words, we should treat somebody that stumbled the way we want to be treated. When you mess up, don't you like people to be gentle towards you? And by the way, that's how Jesus treats us. Over in Matthew 11, Jesus said, a, and he quotes Isaiah, he says, a, a bruised reed I will not crush. A smoldering wick I will not extinguish. In other words, when people are struggling, when they're bruised and battered by life, even by bad decisions, Jesus says, I will treat them with tenderness. That's our Savior, amen? And that's the way that you and I should approach those that have stumbled and fallen, with gentleness. Speaking truth and love, but with gentleness. Not from a high horse, but from someone saying, I care about you and want God's best for your life. Be gentle. Secondly, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Paul says something very interesting here. He says in the end of verse 1, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. So as we help each other to get back in the game, we are bearing burdens. We are fulfilling the law of Christ, which is to love our neighbor as ourself. But then he says in verse 3, If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Don't try to help someone thinking that you've got all the answers. Watch this. And that you are incapable of doing the same thing. Over in 1 Corinthians 10, when it speaks of temptation and those that have fallen into sin, the Bible says, listen to this, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't, don't think, listen to me, don't think it can't happen to you. When you try to help someone else, you need to be vigilant over your own life so you don't get caught up in the same patterns that could lead to the same destination. And so we're called to restore folks that have stumbled and fallen with gentleness and with vigilance. I like this quote from John Stott. He writes, if we walked by the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we love one another more, we would bear one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Christ glorified. I like that. So, first admonition from this text for the churches in Galatia and for the point. Care for each other. 
This is a specific area that you and I can care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Helping those who have stumbled and fallen to get up and get back in the game. Amen? There's a second, I appreciate that two, those two amens. There's a, second, there, there's a second admonition here. Not only should we care for each other, we should prioritize the ministry of the Word of God. Prioritize the ministry of the Word of God. Now look what Paul writes in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. So notice here you have two things happening. One teaching and one receiving the teaching. You have a teacher of the Word and a congregation receiving the teaching of the Word. And Paul's expectation for the churches in Galatia and the Lord's expectations for all local churches is that the Word of God is taught and received. That's, that's God's expectation for every one of his churches. That's God's expectation for Longview Point Baptist Church, that, that the Word of God is taught and the Word of God is received. Why, Pastor Wade? Why this emphasis on the Word of God? Well, listen to me. The Bible is an amazing treasure that should be the foundation of a local church's ministry. The Word of God is not the foundation, then what's the foundation? It's not going to be good, I can tell you that. God has spoken through His Word. It is truth with no mixture of error. And it is to be the foundation for any local church. Paul just expects there's going to be someone teaching, there's going to be someone receiving. The ministry of the Word should be happening in a church. Inside the testaments that the Gideons give out, there's a page with the following description of the Bible. I love it. Here's what it says. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here too, heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Wow. The Bible is an amazing book. Amen? It is God's word for us. And every local church should prioritize the ministry of the Word. Now, I was thinking about this this past week, and I was thinking about uh, all that has uh, transpired here at the point, and I was thinking about uh, 
the, the Bible studies we have journeyed through together. And I went to my table of contents of my Bible, began to look at the different books. And over 16 years, just kind of give you a quick recap, we've journeyed through Genesis, Joshua, Ruth, 1 Samuel, Job, 102 Psalms. We'll get to 103 on Wednesday, but then the staff will continue on with that. Proverbs, Isaiah, Amos, Habakkuk, Matthew, Mark, Acts, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Hebrews, 1 Peter, and many other studies from parts of many other books. That, we've journeyed through all of those books. We, we've studied those books together. And God has used his word to, to shape and fashion and strengthen his church. You say, what has God done here in 16 years? He has built an amazing church, listen to me, by his word. I want you to know that when another pastor comes to preach, it's still the word of God, amen? And God will continue to shape his people by his word. In fact, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, 1 Corinthians 4, where Paul was talking about uh, personality conflicts in the church in Corinth. Some folks said, well, we like Apollos, we think he's the better preacher. And some said, we like Paul, we think he's the better preacher. Some said, we like Peter, we think he's the best preacher. And they were dividing into groups behind their favorite preacher. And and Paul makes just a, a, a brilliant statement. He says, you know who we are as preachers? All we do is plant and water. But it's God who gives the increase. Amen? All I've done for 16 years is planted and watered. And God has done what he's done here. It's been the Lord's work. Amen? By his word. And so as you continue forth, continue to prioritize the word of God. Hey, look, not just corporately, but privately. Your own individual life. Read the Bible. Read it consistently. Let the Word of God shape you as an individual and then as a congregation. Prioritize the ministry of the Word. There's another admonition in this text that is so relevant for the point today. Number three, continue to love your pastor and staff well. Continue to love your pastor and staff well. Now look what he says there in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word, the congregation, share all good things with the one who teaches. That means the the congregation has the responsibility to to take care of the one who is called to, to teach. I want you to know something about the office of pastor. You ready? A joyful pastor will pastor well. Let me say it again. A joyful pastor will pastor well. You say, wait, how how can we make sure we have a joyful pastor? You ready? A church can help their pastor to be joyful through care. That's what this verse is talking about. Care, encouragement, and by following his lead. Now notice that third point. Continue to love your pastor well. I use the word continue with great intentionality. And the reason I use the word continue is because you do this well. You have 
loved me and my family well for 16 years. You have obeyed this verse. You have taken good care of me and good care of my family. You've loved us well. And we are grateful for that. And and you've encouraged us well. I want you to know that you are an encouraging people. You love the Word of God. You want to be taught the Word of God. And, And it's apparent, whenever we have other pastors come in and preach and fill the pulpit, they will often say to me, your people love the Bible. They love to be taught the Word of God. It's just apparent. It's apparent. You are an encouraging people. Now, I'm just, a, just an average preacher. I really am. But, but can I tell you this? I leave Sunday after Sunday and I feel like Billy Graham. Not because I'm Billy Graham, but because you're encouraging. And you've done it for 16 years, and, and I'm grateful. You're an encouraging people. And you are a unified people. You expect your pastor and staff to lead, and that's apparent. I believe that the unity of Longview Point Baptist Church is supernatural. God has just done it. And it's been amazing. I want you to know, and and there are people in this room that can attest to this and will verify this. I've been in staff meetings. I've been in deacons meetings. I've been in church leadership team meetings. Never in 16 years has there been a raised voice, a pointed finger. Never. It's been folks coming together, loving each other, loving the Lord, loving this church, bringing uh, collective wisdom to the table and leading well. And that's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's supernatural unity. So I want you to know, whoever the next pastor is, is stepping into a tremendous situation. This is a great situation church really is and so I just encourage you just like Paul encourages the churches in Galatia continue to love your pastor and staff well I said this last week and and I want you to know it's just not hyperbole you have the best staff in the state you really do and I'm so encouraged that as we transition to another assignment I'm so encouraged that You have the staff that you have to lead you and love you through this time. We have great leadership. We have great men serving in our deacon body. Great men serving on our leadership team. Uh, It's a great church. And so, I know this. A joyful pastor will pastor well. And a church can make their pastor joyful through care, encouragement, and by following his lead. And And I know that's what's coming for the next pastor. So continue to do it. For the glory of God. But there's a fourth, a fourth thing here. Fourth admonition. We'll get to the next four next week. But we've been in- encouraged to care for each other. We've been encouraged to prioritize the ministry of the word of God. To continue to love your pastor and staff well. But fourth and last, I want to encourage you and admonish you to sow spiritual seeds. Sow spiritual seeds. 
Notice what Paul writes there in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. This passage reminds us that the spiritual law of sowing and reaping is irrevocable. It's just the way that it is. God has sown into the fabric of the universe sowing and reaping. And whatever it is you sow, that you will also reap. So so Paul's encouraging the churches in Galatia. Make sure that you're sowing the right seed. You see, every one of us have a decision, an option. We can sow seeds that gratify our fleshly nature, or we can sow seeds that delight the Spirit who lives in us. And Paul here is saying, sow seeds, spiritual seeds, that, that please and honor God. See, what does it mean to sow seeds to the Spirit? Listen, those whose lives are for the sake of others and for the glory of God, those folks are sowing to the Spirit. So sow spiritual seeds. There's a reward here, he says, The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Doesn't end well when you sow fleshly seeds. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. In other words, those that really know Christ, one of the characteristics will be sowing spiritual seeds. And on that day when we get to heaven, eternity is our reward. It'll be worth it to sow spiritual seeds. So here's my encouragement. Walk with Jesus. Be a person of the word. Be a person who prays. Be a person who reaches out to others. Be a a person that, that helps those that need help. Be a person that loves folks. Live for the glory of God. And if you'll do that, you will be sowing spiritual seeds and you will reap a great Reward! Amen? This law is fixed. It's irrevocable. You know, if you want blueberries, which I think I've used that illustration two weeks in a row. If you want blueberries, you go plant blueberry bushes, right? If you want blueberries, sweet, wonderful blueberries, you don't plant seeds for Brussels sprouts. When the harvest comes, you're going to be sorely disappointed, right? Not the sweetness of blueberries, you got the bitterness of Brussels sprouts. Well, listen to me. If you want to please and honor the Lord with your life, make sure you are investing in spiritual things. Things that honor and please the Lord. Those who live for the sake of others and for the glory of God are sowing to the Spirit. And so, there are four admonitions as Paul shares his final words, which really apply to this church and to every church. And here's what I want you to walk away with today. A local church with the right priorities will be a healthy, powerful church. 
Let me say that again. A local church with the right priorities will be a healthy, powerful church. Now, I added that word powerful on purpose. Because the goal is not just to have a pleasant gathering of people. Come in close. The goal is to storm the gates of hell. Amen? The goal is to push back darkness with the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The goal is to see the gospel invade lives and families and communities and nations for the glory of God. That's the goal. The goal is not just to be pleasant and and, and healthy. The goal is to be powerful for the glory of God. And these admonitions will help any church to be that kind of church.